So I had like the fabric specialty printed. So absolutely every part of that costume down to the pasties are Shia LaBeouf faces. <laughs> introverts, extroverts, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Chelsea Heaney, and my guest today is the tastiest tease in Texas. She is a brilliant burlesque and aerial performer, voted Austin's best burlesque performer in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. I'm assuming the 2021s just haven't happened yet. Uh, Please welcome to the show the beautiful and talented Ginger Snaps. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I don't think 2020 is going to happen, period, because yeah. no one's performing. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. You'll just have to Best push it. survivor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we'll just jump straight into it. How did you get started in burlesque and aerial performing? Uh, well, I, I didn't really do much movement-based performance until college, and I started taking dance classes in college, just kind of for shits and grins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I ran, like, a Rocky Horror Troupe and all sorts of other stuff like that in college. So when I moved to Austin, oddly enough, people kept mistaking me for some other burlesque performer in town, I guess. And I wasn't really familiar with the art form, so I like, Googled it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm not a burlesque performer, but you're right, I should be. So... I I auditioned for a troupe, and that was that. And then I guess about eight years ago, I was performing with some aerialists in town, and um, I just you know was talking to them. They're like, yeah, we have classes. And my boyfriend at the time was the web designer for them, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go check it out. So I I went to a class, and I was pretty bad at it, and I fell over a lot. But I had a lot of fun doing it, so I kept mm. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Why are so I had crying in the background? Yeah, I can hear the cat in the background. <laughs> you can hear somebody talking on the other side of the door. Oh. <laughs> um, you were saying there that you, um, you know, you were, you were with an aerial group when you sort of started the burlesque classes. So had you already been doing aerial? No, I was actually already doing burlesque and then joined the aerial group. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so um, I've been doing burlesque for about four years before I started aerial. Yeah, because I was going – one of my questions was because I, I do a lot of theatre, and, you know, obviously in, in theatre when you're starting out, you do, you go and you do community shows and, you know, you perform in high school and stuff. And I don't imagine that there's – you know, obviously there's classes, but for performance I don't imagine that there's that same sort of – um, you know, amateur level for you to sort of start your performing? Do you sort of just have to dive straight into the deep end? Yeah, pretty much. And back when I started, you know, there's certainly, we already had a bit of a burlesque resurgence, but there wasn't much of it around here. You mm-hmm. didn't really find much as far as classes were concerned. I yeah. think before I started, there was literally one troupe in town who had been offering some classes and they weren't by the time I got into it. So yeah. it very much was just like, watching stuff on YouTube and looking up what other burlesque performers were doing and kind yeah. of figure out your own identity from that. So like in some ways I'm kind of jealous of like 
people who get into burlesque now because they have so many resources and we definitely did not have those when I started. (laughs) (laughs) So my style changed a lot from when I started to where I am now because it Mm. took time to discover what my style was and to figure out that it was okay to have my style and not do what I thought burlesque was supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you do that then? Did you, um, you know, like you said, you were looking up other other people on YouTube. Did you find sort of people that inspired you and sort of tried to um, do like a, a version of, like theirs that was your own or, or how did you sort of come up with your style? Yeah, it was kind of repetitive like that. Like initially a lot of what I would see was like based in like rockabilly music. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, that's not really necessarily my jam, but I can get into that. And so I did max based on that. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of realized I don't need to perform to the music that I think burlesque is supposed to be, but rather I can perform to the music I like. And that's where I found my style. And then when I started learning Ariel and incorporating that, it was like, okay, this is what I really love. (laughs) Yeah. How would you describe your style for people who haven't seen it? Uh, well, my style is also always very heavy on the drama. (laughs) Um, I do a fair amount of comedy, but I would say the acts of mine that probably get like the most, uh, that are kind of have the most notoriety are not comedic. They tend to be heavier themes, but I just really like a lot of drama and a lot of glamour and really catchy songs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming Ginger Snaps is not your uh, name that you were given at first. How no. did you come up with the name? So I think a lot of people assume it's like, oh, like the cookie. No, no, it's Ginger no. Snaps, like the werewolf movie. Have you oh. seen it? Yeah, it's a whole trilogy of werewolf movies. They're excellent. They're super cheesy. <laughs> They're all about these, like, teenage girls that become werewolves. <laughs> Wow. You, you can't have so many out. werewolf movies about female werewolves. Yeah. It's, yeah, they're mostly the men. Yeah, it's definitely like the best known one. And you just decided, yep, that's me. I want that name. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that works. Guess I can yeah. never change my hair color, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, and something I wanted to talk to you about as well. Um, you are a, a plus size performer and um, I'm plus size as well. And I love seeing um, other plus size people getting out there and, and doing incredible things. Did you have any, any hesitation in doing burlesque? Cause obviously it's um, you know, we live in a, in a fat phobic society um, and not all people are, are very positive. Um, so did you have any hesitation or, or barriers that you came across? Yeah, I mean, and there's always barriers to it because there are always people who are just terrified of fat people. Like, what are we going to do, you guys? Oh, my God. Yeah. fat agenda. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think when you um, see a fat person owning and appreciating their body and their sexuality, that's really scary for a lot of people. Because to them, that's like the worst thing you could be is fat. And like, here's this person challenging this idea of mine. Um, so yeah, there's always been barriers because of that. And there's always been certain shows I'll never get cast in and, you know, certain like things I'll never win, but like, who gives a fuck? Like I just kept doing things my way and it worked out pretty well. And clearly audiences like it. Um, you know, it's an issue in the aerial world as well, but there's also just not a lot of like fat aerialists. Um, 
but it's on the other hand, you know, it makes, it adds to my uniqueness. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something you can take advantage of in a positive way. And yeah. I really appreciate that. I have the opportunity to show people that you can still do whatever the hell you want, regardless of your body size, um, especially with aerials. Like I re- have people all the time messaging me saying that they thought they couldn't do it because they were plus size or they tried to go to the studio and the studio told them that there was a weight limit, which is bullshit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just like people honestly think that fat people can't be strong, can't be athletic, can't dance, can't, can't be attractive. All these things that are not, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also a lot of that, like, um, you know, that inherent fat shaming in that, you know, burlesque and and aerials are very sexy forms Mm -hmm. of of performance and and fat people aren't supposed to be sexy. They're supposed to want to lose weight so that they can become sexy. But it's like, (laughs) no, we're we're fucking sexy and get used to it. Yeah. Um, So I know in in a lot of people. Pardon? It just challenged that. That idea challenges a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have people, um, you know, in your, in your audiences ever get negative about it or does everyone sort of just, you're so amazing that you win them over? Um, I mean, rarely do I really run into it in an audience, but I will Mm -hmm. say like when I'm on stage, if there's an audience member that I'm like, seems like you're fucking around. I take that as a challenge and I will (laughs) pull you out. God forbid you're in the front row. If you have a phone during my act, I'm stealing your phone. Um, so, yeah, rarely is that an issue because I'm just good at drawing the audience's attention in. So yeah. I found that even if someone's like, okay, that wasn't something I considered sexy or, like, my idea of what I want in sexy, but it was still, like, a powerful, fun performance for them. Yeah. Because um, it's like I'm not expecting everyone to be like, oh, my God, I'm so turned on. And sometimes that's really not what I'm going for. No. Um, but yeah, no, I would say more often than not, I run into audience members who are just really excited to see something different and see something that inspires them to try out something that they may have previously been afraid of. Yeah. And you sort of mentioned earlier that, you know, you want to show people that, you know, they can do anything despite, well, not necessarily despite of, you know, no matter what their body type is. Do you see yourself as a body positive activist or are you just a person who's doing what they're doing and happens to be fat? Um, Both, because I think doing what you're doing when you happen to be fat in a, an industry that that's not considered something allowable mm-hmm. is self a form of activism. And I'm one of those people who like, I'm a shit starter. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> involved with something and not be an activist about it so (laughs) um but yeah I do a lot of you know just talking to people behind the scenes as far as how to find an aerial studio what to say if they give you weight limit shit and I'll tell them fucking name and shame like just be like a studio say what it is because I'm gonna go over all the reasons with you why that is bullshit (laughs) because the studio is either has unsafe equipment if it's honestly not rated for this weight has mm-hmm. poorly trained instructors if they think they can't spot a plus size person, or they're completely full of shit, which is the most likely answer. Yeah, I wanted to ask you as well. Um, I think a, a lot of, maybe not so much anymore, but um, a lot of people sort of because of the sexiness of burlesque, maybe associate it with stripping. Mm-hmm. So what what makes the two different? How would you? Well, it is stripping ultimately. I mean, yeah. like what I teach in my classes is burlesque is theatrical striptease. 
and you can add anything to that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fair that, enough. But it is stripping. I mean, that's where burlesque came from. Mm-hmm. You know, back in like 50s, 60s, this was all the same thing. At a certain point, it split off into strip club style of stripping and yeah. burlesque stripping. And what we often joke about now is the main difference is strippers get paid a lot more. <laughs> yeah, we burlesque performers spend a lot on costumes and rarely make it back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's still stripping. Um, I know that some people kind of like to approach it as like, no, it's like classy stripping. And I think classy. There's nothing wrong with stripping anyway. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with stripping. And you see a lot more um, club style coming back into burlesque now because you have people mm-hmm. that both work in strip clubs as well as doing burlesque. And it's really fun to watch that, like, re-intermingling of the two. Yeah. You mentioned there as well your, you know, the costumes and stuff. You make a lot of your own costumes. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you always been good at, at sewing and things, or was this sort of what made you get good at it? No, it made me learn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't really make, like, cute plus-size dance costumes. This is not a thing. What? Like, if you look for plus-size dancewear, you're going to find – Maybe 10 black leotards. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. someone of a smaller size body has the option of like 900. Um, so yeah, at first, you know, it just started with me changing and amending pieces that I would find and then just experimenting and learning to make my own. And eventually one of my friends like forced me to get a sewing machine. And um, so yeah, since then, I've just really gotten pretty comfortable sewing on a machine and now I'll take like for instance if I have like a bathing suit bottom I like I'll reverse pattern it out and you know change the pattern around and turn that into a costume piece Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's uh it definitely forced me to (laughs) sewing yeah absolutely I remember um I mean this is more for you know exercise gear not necessarily dancewear but a few years ago I was out shopping with some friends and um I'm not sure if they're just an Australian brand or if they're in the U.S. as well but we have a brand called Lorna Jane um and a big exercise brand and um me and, and my friend and um she's quite a short skinny girl and we went in we were looking for stuff and they didn't have anything in my size in in store and they were like oh you know that stuff is online and my yeah don't get me started (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um but my friend I don't have Twitter but my friend loves Twitter and she went on Twitter and just like did a tweet rant at Lorna Jane about how (laughs) stupid it is that they don't carry plus size stuff in store and I was just like thank you so much I really appreciate you ranting on my behalf Yeah, well, like, other than it being totally douchey, it also makes zero financial sense. Like, whoever made the decision to be like, don't put that on stores, you need to fire them because they're losing you money. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, we exist. Yeah. And people exist. We're a proportion of people. (laughs) We need clothes. And also, like, I know a lot of of plus-size people who prefer shopping online because there's a lot more available. Mm -hmm. I hate shopping online because – most of the time they're, um, in quotes, plus size models are very skinny. And oh so God. I have no idea how that is actually going to look on my body. Yeah, they're um, like the lowest yeah. end plus size. I will say I have noticed more and more brands, though, are realizing that's an issue and that people yeah. feel like that. And I'm starting to see smart brands with more diversity in their models. Mm-hmm and more actively advertising with plus size bodies without yeah. necessarily being like, look, plus size, oh my gosh. 
um, which I appreciate. And honestly, like I shop online a fair amount, mostly just because I really like to shop. <laughs> but, um, in fact, actually, I recently discovered an Australian brand that I really like for just like movement wear. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Exotica Athletica. Oh, okay. Yeah, they their Facebook advertising game is strong. <laughs> <laughs> they have some, like just a bunch of like super cute stuff in a wide range of sizes that fits comfortably. So I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, now, in addition to doing your uh, costumes, you also do a lot of your own wigs as well. And mm-hmm. I believe you also do wigs professionally. Um, yeah, how did you get into wig making? Uh, I don't, well, I don't make them from the ground up. Like I hate ventilating. I was taught it once and I'm like, cool, this is like fucking awful tiny crocheting for people who don't like their vision, um, which I'm not into, but I love styling wigs. And mm-hmm. I actually got started cause I've been, uh, working as a professional makeup artist for, I guess almost 20 years now. Wow. And, um, so I did a lot of theater work and through that I started learning wigs, just working with different productions. So I work for our opera company and our ballet company and I've cut out a lot of my other like private client work because I do so much more performance and production now, but I still really love working with, you know, theater companies and this such. So that of course has been very handy (laughs) (laughs) over into my own stuff and like, I'm not wearing my real hair on stage. Like what a hot mess. I'm going to Barbie hair. Oh, I did a show a couple years ago and I was playing two different characters that had very different looks. So they put me in wigs so that I could change very quickly. And as much as it gets really hot, I I really hate my hair. I have very thin hair and it's horrible to deal with. So I was like, I just have to put it up in a braid and I put a wig on and my hair looks great and I appreciate it. Exactly. Like I'm definitely sweating balls under the wig, but it's <laughs> great to be able to just be like, my hair's already styled. I just slap it on my head. And yeah. you, know, you certainly get people who are like, but you're doing aerials and you're spinning really fast. You can't keep a wig on. And I'm like, no, you can't keep a wig on. <laughs> I teach you how to prep your hair properly. And I can pin any damn thing to your head and make it. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Now back to, you know, your performance and and all the spinning and things. Um, You obviously, you know, make up all your own routines and stuff. How how long does it take you to put a routine together? And and where do you sort of draw inspiration from for different routines? Um, Honestly, I'm kind of a speed choreographer. Like I have it all down to a science now. So I guess. (laughs) bones of it together really fast like I will actually I'll teach classes about like how to quickly outline and put your choreography down for your piece and then amend from there Mm because especially with like um aerials we tend to have sequences that everybody prefers so Mm -hmm. it's not just like a bunch of little single things but you're like this is a full sequence I like to use this is a sequence so I kind of like you know write out sequences I want to use then I make an outline of my song because um, I, I come from a music background. So breaking down a song is pretty quick and easy for yeah. me. And then I'll go through and be like, okay, I really like this sequence for this course and this here and that there. And then just kind of piece it together and then take it into the studio and play with it and see what is and isn't working. Um, but yeah, my, my, stu- my style really comes from, uh, uh, I guess a lot of it, is impacted just from the ballet that I learned in college. Mm-hmm. Like I remember having a lot of friends who they're like, well, you're not really supposed to like ballet. You just take it for a technique. <laughs> and my <laughs> little butt loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So a lot of that ends up coming into my aerial work. Like I like it to be a mix of very pretty ballet moves and really strength intensive things. Um, so I get like the number one thing I hear from people is they're always like, you're so graceful, which is hilarious to me because if it's not choreographed, I walk into the damn wall. <laughs> um, yeah. Normal me is not graceful. Choreographed me is graceful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's, I'd say, a pretty common theme in most of my work. And I also, I like playing a lot with juxtaposition. So um, one of my favorite, like, current acts, and I haven't done it a ton because it uh, takes up a lot of space, but it's an aerial act with a, with a contraption I invented called the aerial boudoir over it, which is this big, sheer red curtain. Okay. And it's to um, <laughs> a... Uh, Oh, come on, brain. It's early and I'm suddenly forgetting the name of the band. <laughs> no kidding. Um, ah, it's such a classic, ridiculous song. Sorry. I also have ADHD and sometimes there's just like name holes in my head. So I'm going to be that person that Googles the lead singer's name because that is staying in my head. Typo negative. Thank you. Ah, really there you go. Yeah, really cheesy typo negative song called Christian Woman that I, I remember hearing as a kid and just thinking his voice was so creepy. And now as an adult, I just find it like peak 90s cheesy goth and I love it. <laughs> and so I just totally like dive into the melodrama of that and perform that song. And it works because even the people who take it seriously, they're like, well, it was really pretty and it was just visually stunning to watch. And the people who are down with the 90s cheese like I am are like, holy shit, you brought back the most hilarious memories. And then we have a good talk about Peter Steele. So nice. There's a um, uh, a club in um, Melbourne where I'm originally from called Perseverance. And every Friday is 90s night. <laughs> and I think I only ever went to Perseverance on a Friday night because we were like, it's 90s night. Of course we're going. We're going to get all of those 90s songs down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, this is what clubbing should be. I'm not normally a clubbing person, but if it's all 90s music, I can get around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like I really appreciate the nostalgic stuff and I have very strong musical tastes. So for me, an act nine times out of 10 starts with the music. Okay. That it's for an interpretation of the song. Occasionally I have a concept idea first and then hunt for music, but mm -hmm. usually it starts with music. It's usually just about a song I'm really into. Like incidentally, I've been super into NXS lately. So I've had quite a few acts over the past year that have been set to NXS songs. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, it just entirely depends on what musical phase I'm going through. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I had um, a friend of mine who's a male stripper. He came on one of these episodes. And, uh, you know, at the moment during COVID, they're doing virtual stripping. And basically people can just, like, choose a song, choose, like, the costume that they're in and stuff, and then go for it. And I'm just like, you must get some, like, super terrible songs because <laughs> people can pick anything. Um, and, you know, not everything's got a good a good beat for that type of dancing. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, like, there's definitely, that's, a, that's another thing I teach my students a lot. I'm like, when you are picking out a song, make sure it has some dynamics. Because, like, yeah. if you get bored, the audience is definitely bored. Yeah. <laughs> we can't be at the same level the entire time. Unless you're a really seasoned performer with a really strong concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I wanted to talk to you about um, two particular shows that you've done, but you're you're welcome to bring up others if you have favourites as well. Uh, but the first is, um, I think you called it Dumble Whore, <laughs> um, which is obviously a Dumbledore uh, take and um, – I've talked about this on, on the show previously, but, you know, there's issues with J.K. Rowling, but I can still appreciate Harry Potter. So um, where did where did Dumblehore come from? And um, can you um, describe <laughs> it a little bit to our listeners? Yeah, so Dumblehore, like, I had read Harry Potter, and I enjoyed it, but I was not, like, a diehard Harry Potter fan by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I know that there's a lot of them around, and so there ends up being a lot of Harry Potter shows. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, like, make a Harry Potter act. And I decided to go with Dumbledore. uh, And I was trying to figure out, like, as a wizard, what music (laughs) would you listen to? (laughs) And I'm like, naturally, Dumbledore only listens to the original wizard rock of Led Zeppelin. Yes. I appreciated a play on words, so it became Dumblehore. So he's had multiple... (laughs) song performances now but it's always set to Led Zeppelin and it's always <laughs> ridiculous uh, yeah just over the top and fun like I just like exploring like what who is this character off stage so when we're not yeah. seeing them in a movie or reading them in a book and I think Dumbledore is a way sluttier <laughs> and a lot more fun so Dumblehore was born Nice. Did you have a beard or did you skip that part of the costume? No, I've worn a fake beard on stage before and that shit is hot. Not yeah. Definitely get it caught in an apparatus. So I, I wear gray hair and my original Dumble Horror had like the long gray wig, but mm-hmm. summer in Texas is really hot. So I also have a short yeah. version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no beard. And the other one that I wanted to bring up, um, I don't know what you called it, but you have an act where you're basically just covered in Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yes, yeah, it's just a Shia LaBeouf act. Yeah. <laughs> Shia Surprise, actually. <laughs> so Shia Surprise, I don't know if you've seen the Rob Cantor uh, music video where he does, he wrote a song about Shia LaBeouf. And it, it's called Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Okay. And then he did a music video based on it. And it's just so hilarious and bizarre. And it just leaves you going, what is this? And I love stuff like that. I love stuff where you're just left like, I I have thoughts and I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, so after I'd seen that, I was like, I want to do an act to that song, but I want to be entirely covered in faces of Shia LaBeouf. So I had, like, the fabric specialty printed, so absolutely every part of that costume, down to the pasties, are Shia LaBeouf faces. (laughs) And I have my giant Shia LaBeouf head, and I kind of thought it would be fun if the final reveal was something really unexpected. So even after I get down to pasties and all of that, at the end, I take off the giant Shia LaBeouf head and have a smaller Shia LaBeouf mask under that. (laughs) <laughs> but I cut a little hole in the mouth so I could stick my tongue out and so be extra creepy. Yeah. What did the um the I mean I mean you probably did it online, but I like to think that you did it in store. What did the you know fabric company think of when you went in and you said I want 
just a whole lot of fabric just covered in Shia LaBeouf. They are an online store, so, like, nothing really happened. Because I wondered, I'm like, am I going to get, like, stuck with some sort of, like, copyright issue? But, yeah, no. So, like, I was just kind of impressed that they were like, yeah, no problem. Here's your fabric. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love getting just, like, weird specialty shit made and just thinking, like, what does the person on the other end think of this? So, remember, for one of my friend's 18th birthday, um, you know, the scene in, I'm not sure if it's Anchorman or Anchorman 2, and they're like riding unicorns through <laughs> the sky. I yeah. found this, I found this website where you could like put your faces into photos. And so me and my friend Maddie, we put our faces onto their faces riding the unicorns. We got that made into um, an edible like icing and we put it on a cake. <laughs> <laughs> That is and we gave it to our friend Fee. <laughs> We're like, here's I, a cake of us riding unicorns. I love stuff like that. <laughs> like, and I've gotten relatively proficient at Photoshop just from having to make so many like show flyers over the years. So yeah. I definitely love to do stuff like that for other people and to other people and sometimes my pets. Yeah. That's fair. I also did one um last year I was in a production of the Full Monty the musical. Yeah. And um, I was in the ensemble, and the ensemble had quite a lot of downtime in this show. And I got a photo from one of the rehearsals where five of the six main guys were standing there, like, in their underwear, um, just, like, you know, no makeup, no nothing, just in their underwear, and it was great. And um, I got it made into a 1,000-piece puzzle, (laughs) (laughs) which was then sitting in our green room. And so whenever we had downtime, we were just, like, sitting there making a puzzle of our half-naked friends um and it would be really great because it would be like I found Max's nipple (laughs) (laughs) and Max appreciates you finding his nipple (laughs) yes yeah yeah if it was Harry it was Max's chest or Garrett's legs (laughs) 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 so yeah I love that weird custom shit (laughs) well and I did recently like a um this group did like a little mini documentary on me and they were obsessed with the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Like, yeah. when the little thing came out, I swear to God, half the video was, like, my Shia LaBeouf costume and pictures of me performing the Shia LaBeouf act. <laughs> I think I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, all right, cool. I mean, you're into what you're into. <laughs> yeah, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I have piles and piles of, like, ultra glam rhinestones on rhinestones amazing aerial stuff but no no the Shia LaBeouf is really what giant head absolutely (laughs) that poor Um, head is up here too it's like falling apart oh no Shia LaBeouf head (laughs) (laughs) need to commission one Shia LaBeouf head (laughs) (laughs) have you ever had any uh like big wardrobe malfunctions while you've been performing Oh, yeah, of course, especially yeah. earlier on in your career. Like, invariably, a, a zipper gets stuck on another item of clothing. Like, I have definitely, like, ripped my way out of costumes before. Yeah. Um, I'm much more careful about how I compose my costumes now. So I tend to just use, like, a large hook and eye for things, and I avoid yeah. stuff like zippers most of the time because it's just too much work. Like, it needs to be something I can undo with one hand pretty easily, but... Mm-hmm. Costume malfunctions happen because even then with like my hook and eye, I've had it where I take it off like in my aerial apparatus and it manages to wrap around an arm of my apparatus and just hang there or yeah. my hair. I mean, it, 
stuff happens. You know, the biggest thing is just how do you handle it? And so usually I'm just like, we all know this shit's funny. And you know, just kind of yeah. <laughs> laugh with the audience. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I did, um, in, in that show where I had the two wigs, I, um, I had come off stage as one character and it was, it was the fastest change I had in the show. It was maybe like 10, 15 seconds. And then I was supposed to go straight back on for like the number that I was singing. So I was very much like a main part of the next scene and I go off stage and the first, the mic that I'm, the wig that I'm wearing gets caught on my microphone. and so we can't take it off and I can't take the rest of the costume off until the wig is off it was just like a huge thing and I think I was off for about like a minute and 10 seconds like and that's a long time yeah especially during a show thankfully like the ensemble were on stage and the band were in a vamp so it wasn't like nothing was happening but also my poor friend Bailey he was playing like the principal in the show and so he was like I'll go on and just like improvise something um to like fill up the time and see he walks on he says one line and then instantly gets a nosebleed what (laughs) (laughs) and so he has to go off the stage again um but eventually made it there but one of my directors he said to me afterwards he was like at the start I was just like it's fine you know it's a fast change things happen it's fine Okay, someone has been hurt. Something's gone very. <laughs> Chelsea is dead. <laughs> well, an ensemble always gets the brunt of that. Like I used to work a lot of like the touring Broadway shows, and so we were constantly doing like the super fast like wig and costume changes backstage. And um, yeah, most of it was ensemble. But like I worked this one production of Wicked. We Wicked was here for like a full month at one point, and I was working on that and. Um, Uh, there was this moment where, like, our Glenda just didn't show back up on stage. And there was singing. We could hear her, but no one could find her. So ensembles just saw, like, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, trying to pretend like she's there when she's clearly not. Well, apparently, she went off stage and just really, really, really had to shit. She was like, no. Yeah, she was like, I didn't eat anything weird. It wasn't anything like that. She's like, I just really had to use the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom right off stage, couldn't make it back out in time. Meanwhile, her wardrobe person is trying to bust into the bathroom to change her clothes. And she's like, no, you can't come in here, like locking the door. Still has her mic pack on. So she's singing her part while sitting on the toilet. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and in Broadway productions, like, if you miss a cue, if you do something like that, your pay gets docked. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, she was just like, fuck it. Pay's already docked. I'm going to finish my business here, steal my part from the bathroom, and come out when I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to ask as well, this is sort of to do with costumes, sort of not, but <laughs> it's a weird question. I'm going to put it out there. Um <laughs> <laughs> have you ever hit yourself in the face with your boob because I do that rolling over in bed <laughs> let alone doing an aerial performance <laughs> so not necessarily doing an aerial performance because I make a point to make sure I'm in a really extended position if I'm inverting so that yeah. I can keep my head away but yeah like I've done a lot of classes where they're like okay we're gonna go and do a shoulder stand or do a shoulder roll and I'm like I literally cannot hang out in a shoulder stand because I will suffocate 
Like, yeah. I can't breathe. And also, I don't like having my own sweaty tits laying on my face. <laughs> This is like a really like fun thing for some people and there's some weird fetish about it. I am not one of those people, but yeah, I'm not into it. So if I'm doing a shoulder roll, I'm going through it fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if I'm inverting, I'm making sure I can arch my head back. Yeah. <laughs> I have with my tassels before because I like to twirl really big tassels. So yeah. sometimes I will smash myself in the face with those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you haven't, um, done that during the show um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um you've mentioned a few times that you're also um teaching you teach it at sky candy how yeah. long have you been doing that for oh wow um that's right I was just looking up this info the other day apparently I've been teaching there since 2013 because I started teaching burlesque and hair and makeup before I was teaching any aerial stuff mm -hmm. so, like shortly after I was a student there I guess within a year I was teaching like burlesque and all that kind of stuff yeah but yeah, I've been doing aerial teaching for four or five years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you enjoy that side of things as well? Or do you prefer the performing? I do. I do. Like for me, they're, they're very different, but I really enjoy people who don't think they're capable of things, learning how to do them. And yeah. I have a class that's specifically my intro to aerials for plus size bodies. And oh. So I ha get a lot of people who think that they're not capable of this stuff just because they're a larger person. Mm -hmm. And what I find really interesting is they don't do any worse than any other intro class. Their biggest issues are mental because they think yeah. they can do it. So I have to kind of try and create scenarios where they can find the easy wins to realize their bodies are capable of it and mm -hmm. then backtrack it and really break it down and figure out why and how it all works. But I do. I really enjoy seeing people discover their own abilities and having fun with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, Legislate This, mm -hmm. which is uh, a burlesque fundraising show that you've um, done a few times for fundraising for Planned Parenthood. Could you talk uh -huh. a little bit about that? Yeah, this started, it was a long time ago. It was back when Rick Perry was still governor. And I was just so mad hearing all of the, like, stupid political bullshit he was playing to try and win points from the quote-unquote pro-lifers mm -hmm. uh, and uh, defunding Planned Parenthood when the reality is if your ultimate goal is to stop abortions, then making sure that you're providing appropriate health care services with birth control and all of this is technically the best. Like, if you're really going to break it down to the numbers, you want to... Yeah. Planned Parenthood more and ultimately it's not your damn business if somebody get one gets one or why Absolutely. but we have seen that when Planned Parenthood and programs like that are better funded there is mm -hmm. a decrease in the number of abortions it's right there these are the basic simple statistics that can't be manipulated but that yeah. is conveniently overlooked because for them it's more about moral superiority and appealing to the basis yes. of their um, political crowds yeah. So I was real angry about it. And I want, when I get mad, I tend to take action. <laughs> like, first That's a really good trait, though. Redhead first. And that lasts a good like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I move on to taking action. So I wanted to call it fucking Rick Perry. And I was advised that that's not a great idea. Um, hard to market. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's where Legislate This was born from. And then I, you know, I contacted other people I knew and was like, hey, do you want to do one of these shows? This is what I'm calling it. I think it would be awesome if we, you know, had them going on kind of all over. So at one point we had them kind of all over Texas. There was one in California. I think there was one in Ohio. Um, and so they just kind of, you know, come and gone and keep happening throughout the years. Um, I often do one around election time. Obviously not happening this year, but it was just a great way to channel a lot of our frustrations into something that was beneficial and raise money for something that I think is really important. Um, you know, Planned Parenthood is certainly where I went for most of, yeah, for like all of my teens, 20s, and well into my 30s. When I finally got real insurance and ended up going to a different doctor, I just missed Planned Parenthood. I was kind of sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's nobody else's business what you fucking do with your body. And if you yeah. really have a huge moral problem with it, then you need to look at the numbers and yeah. support people that are providing information, birth control, education, and healthcare. 100%. And it's really awesome to have people like you who are out there fundraising and, and um, talking about it because it's such an important thing that, that people do have the rights over their own bodies as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, now we are getting towards the end here, uh, but I like to ask a random question to each of my <laughs> guests and it's different each time. Uh, and this one, um, I mean, we're in different countries, so you're probably going to have a very different answer um, <laughs> to, to me for this one because you'll have heard different things. But my um, question for you, and I have to thank my friend Anna for this question because she posts a lot of like random questions on Facebook to get people talking about things. And so I scrolled through her Facebook today to try and find one. Um, and so my question for you is what is like a, a song from like an ad or a jingle that has really stuck in your head and you'll always remember? Oh man, I really wanted to be like, yeah, I definitely have that. But um, for some reason, like lately, it's actually from a television show. The oh Yeah. The DuckTales theme song keeps getting stuck in my head. <laughs> Can you give us a rendition? <laughs> um, it goes, life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes. It's a duck blur. <laughs> I love it. I love it's, it. It's such a good song. And then little Scrooge McDuck goes and like swims through all the coins. And I had actually used it for a TikTok video recently because I was just real obsessed with it. And I'm like, why is this song so good? And there's actually like articles written on this. They're like, no, these people like legit paid writers. And we're like, we want this to be like a current pop song. We want this to be like legit good. And so yeah, I really love the DuckTales theme song. <laughs> nice. Um, my one I would say is probably the same for most Australians. Mm -hmm. We have um, a reading and writing hotline that has been around forever and the ad comes up on TV and it, they sing their phone number and it's so catchy. It's <laughs> one three double oh six triple five oh six. And it, I will never forget that number, but it's so smart because it's a reading and writing hotline. So the people who need it can't necessarily read the number of the TV. So they make it a, a jingle that you remember and then they can yeah. remember it. But I would say like pretty much every Australian probably knows that number off the top of their head. <laughs> but you have to sing it every time. Like if someone just asked me what it was and I wasn't allowed to sing it, I probably wouldn't be able to remember the number. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be able to get it out. 
Well, and I'm like, yeah, pay your jingle writers, folks. Like, it is worth it to get someone who knows how to write a catchy tune. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. And my last question for you is one that I ask everybody. The show is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I want to describe myself. Would you consider yourself, do you consider yourself a confident person? Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's... um. I just feel like there's kind of not really any other option. Like it just sucks to not be confident in yourself. And I think people feel like sometimes get the idea that it must like come easy to me or this or that. And they're like, well, how do you become confident? And I'm like, the reality is it's kind of fake it till you make it. Um, It's you, if you project confidence, it helps relax and calm other people. And they're like, Oh, I really want to be confident too. I feel better about this. And so you get that positive feedback from them. And then you're like, Oh shit, they're into this. Okay. I'm doing this right. It's the same way as performing. You know, my, my new students would be petrified. And I'm like, the biggest thing and the hardest thing to do is to be confident on stage. And that means you're not looking at the floor. You're looking at your audience. Mm -hmm. Think of it as a staring contest that you always win because, <laughs> because I'm like, if you're in control, they're going to feel so much better about it. If you're confident in yourself, they will be confident in your ability to entertain them and yeah. take them on whatever story you want them to be on. So, yeah, I mean, it's just um, you kind of you kind of got to have it. And of course, you know, it comes and goes. There are definitely days where I'm like, what the fuck is happening with my body? When did I get old? What is this? Like. Mm-hmm everyone goes through that. I don't think it has to be a steady thing. And also you don't owe anybody confidence. It's really just about yourself and being comfortable with yourself and making sure you're happy. It's a really good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Ginger and thank you everyone for listening. Please uh, rate us and leave us a review so it can be seen by more people. You can follow me on Instagram at Chelsea J Heaney, or you can follow the podcast at Loud and Seemingly Confident, both on Instagram and Facebook. Ginger, where can people find out more about you? Um, you can go to my website, gingersnapsburlesque.com. I'm also on Instagram and uh, recently on TikTok at gingersnapsburlesque, which is entertaining because I'm old and trying to figure out how to TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea. TikTok, it just goes over my head. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't think I ever will get it. There are definitely some things on there that people do that I'm like, how the hell did you do that? Like, my old ass takes my video, puts it in another video editing app, puts it together there, and then uploads it to TikTok. Because working within TikTok's frame, I'm like, ah, it's too much. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we'll see everybody else next week. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 